morning, everyone. How are you all doing? I noticed I noticed I got a, a cheer from from the legacy section. I don't understand that, and I don't know if there's a legacy section in the gym. Are you cheering down there as well? When, when, no, I don't know. You didn't hear Dean, so you missed it. We got Dean up here for you guys. You have to, I don't even know who's down there, but uh, Dean, we're glad to have you up here with us this time. So, wow. Well, my name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And one of the things that uh, has happened in the last few, last year is technology has changed. Anybody notice that? Well, last time I spoke, I used this for the very first time. But if you remember, I had a backup sitting over here just in case this didn't work. I'm going solo today, guys. I'm going solo. We'll just see what, what happens. If it, if it goes off, you just get an early lunch. I guess that's the way it works. So. Oh, yeah. We, all right. Well, today is, is, Dean had mentioned earlier and, and, uh, is this is our third and our final uh, teaching part of our teaching series on prayer, and prayer is what prayer is something that really I think is the heart of where we're at and what God wants us to do. Because prayer is really just communicating with God, and that's what we're what we need to do is learn how to pray, when to pray, whatever. And we've been using Nehemiah as our example, and we've been using Nehemiah's prayer, uh, a model of his prayer. From Nehemiah 1, verse 4 through 11. So that's sort of been where we're at. But one of the things that I've heard in the last couple of weeks is this. I've heard different ones say, wow, this is coming at just the right time. And I know I felt that way. I thought, wow, this is coming at just the right time. And you say, why is this just the right time? Well, this is, I don't know what they were thinking, but I know what I've been thinking. How many know what, what time we're, we're in right now? It's called summertime right some yeah some of you guys really got that that's good summertime and i found that summertime is also vacation time anybody here taking a vacation yet yeah why well, i've taken a vacation the fact is that's me this is johnny uh we've had a vacation a couple weeks ago pretty soon we're gonna yeah there there we were flying to alaska and then we were to Kansas City, and oh yeah, we just no, we didn't do any of that. We went down to Branson for a few days, and, and then, then we went up to South Dakota. I mean, but that's all right; it was vacation. But one of the things that I found while we're doing vacation, and I don't know about you guys, but my routine gets off, which is sort of the idea, right? But with your routine gets off, what else sometimes happens in your routine that gets off? Your prayer life. Am I the only one that that's... Boy, you have to really concentrate and focus to keep it because you get so many fun things you're going to do or you get to sleep in for the first time in a long time. You, you know those things. Well, what I want to encourage you all to do is just make sure, even though it's summertime and even though it's vacation time, I, I know one thing, summertime sends... To, I think we could, it, it's with a big S, but it's sometimes called selfish time. You know what I'm saying? Well, that sometimes happens. Don't take a vacation from God. And I think that's what this, this whole series is really helping us focus on. 
coming out of summertime is that, hey, even in the summertime, this has to be a primary focus in what we're doing. Well, like I mentioned, we've been talking about uh, Nehemiah and his prayer and that using that as our model. And let me just kind of recap a little bit about who Nehemiah is, where what's happening, this and that. Nehemiah was really the Abraham Lincoln of the Old Testament. And the reason for that is, is that like Abraham Lincoln, they both wept for the oppressed, they wept for the vulnerable, they, they really had a heart and a passion for other people. Do you, do you catch that? That's really where, where Nehemiah is at at this point. And uh, then he got some bad news from home, just kind of hit him like a ton of bricks. And that happens sometimes, doesn't it? You get some bad news from home, and then what do you do? Where do I go? Nehemiah was just overwhelmed with the bad news. And the key here, and this is really why we go to Nehemiah and use his model here, is Nehemiah immediately went to prayer. He prayed earnestly. The fact is, it says that he prayed he prayed day and night. I mean, he prayed for a, quite a while here, just trying to, to gain the heart of God. Spending some time with God, listening, doing all those things. Because he was hurting and he needed, he needed somewhere to turn to. He didn't turn to a friend. He didn't turn to something else. He didn't try to fix it. He just, he said, I gotta go to God. That's what made it good. The neat thing then is then he came up and, and came out with a plan of action. But the plan of action wasn't his plan. It was God's plan. And it's sort of like this. How many of you ever have a problem and you try to fix it yourself? What I find is it's sort of like, sort of like this, big band-aid I have, or like this band-aid we have here on the screen. I try to put a band-aid on. Now, what is a band-aid for? It's to help fix owies, right? That's what, that's what moms say. I've heard that before. That's what Johnny tells me too. I don't know, but, but anyway, but really what we're doing, are we going to use a band-aid to fix a tumor? Are you going to fix a Band-Aid? Are you going to put a Band-Aid on a broken arm? That's not going to work, is it? What do you do if you have a broken arm, if you have a tumor? Where do you go? You go to a specialist, don't you? That's really what happened. And that's what happened to Nehemiah. He got a problem that no Band-Aid could fix. And so what did he do? He went to the specialist. He went to God. Because why he needed some hope. Whenever we get that bad news, what do we need? We need a good dose of hope, don't we? We need some direction. How do I do? What do I do? How do I get to the end? And that's where our theme verse really comes into play. And our theme verse is Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And it says, You will seek me, and who's the me? God. And find me when you do what? Seek me with what? All of your heart. That's really what God wants us to do. He wants us to seek Him. When problems come, He doesn't want us to go here or there. He says, just seek me. Seek me with all of your heart. And that's really what we've been talking about. We've been learning that you just don't seek God. How many have learned a little bit in the last couple weeks that uh, and maybe your idea of what hide and seek has changed a little bit for you? It's not the hide. It's hiding away from other people, and then seeking God with all your heart. 
That's really what we're talking about here. Hiding away, seeking God with all your heart to find a solution, to find some hope, to find some direction. That's really been it. And ultimately what we're trying to find is we're trying to find the heart of God. That is where answers come from. I believe that a lot of times things come into our life and God allows them to come in, if you want to say that, or they just happen because we live in this universe that we live that's full of problems. But it helps us then to seek His heart and develop that relationship with Him. We found here what happened during this time is Nehemiah was aligning his heart with God. The last two weeks, that's really been the primary focus, is how do I align my heart with the heart of God? How does that work? And Nehemiah was showing us how that was done. And I believe the reason he did it, he did it to gain God's heart. And the examples that we learned on how to do this and what happens, Pastor Jeff has shared us so, so, just, I thought, so clearly. But it really came across as he used Nehemiah because we learned how to hear and access God's heart of, remember what week one was, the heart of? I knew everybody would know. Compassion. The gym knew. The gym knew. I know. The heart of compassion. That's it. It's the heart of compassion towards our need. And we learned that that comes by being broken and even with some sacrifice that come, plays into it. And then last week we discovered that, that we could find God's heart through praise. Praise of how great He was. Remember that? And also that when we praise God... Praising God does what? It changes who? Us, doesn't it? It changes our perspective on the situation we're looking at. We also then discovered that that uh, God was, what, a dangerous God. But we also learned that He's also a very, what? Good God as well. And because He's a dangerous God and a very good God, then we view Him with awe. That's really what God... How do I view God? Where were we we at? See, when we gain His heart, we're we're better able to hear His voice. Because really what we're trying to do, when we spend time aligning our heart with God, what we're really trying to do is, I want to hear God speak to me. Am, Am I the only one? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do, young people? We want to hear God's voice. That's really the key here. And we want to hear it clearly. Never forget that God and His Bible is our, is our only source of true faith and hope, regardless of the circumstance that you're going through. Regardless of what it is, that is the key to where it's at. No band-aid's gonna do. No band-aid will fix. We have to go to the specialist and His Word to get it. And if we're gonna pray with the heart of God, we need to, well, let, let me go back. I, I skipped something here that I think is very important. We deepen our faith and we enlarge our hope. This is really what we're doing. But we do this as we spend time seeking His heart. But when we hear His heart, when we start praising Him for His greatness and praying this, the real key now is once we hear it, now does the prayer stop? No. Now we begin doing what I think is probably the really key part is is we start praying it back to Him. We pray back to God what we've already heard. That is where we're going. That's really what the focus of today is. 
We've talked about seeking God and getting to hear His voice. Now we want to take, take the next step. Now that I've heard it, now today let's talk about seeking, seeking God by praying back what we're hearing Him say to us. I call this praying with the heart of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if we're going to pray with the heart of God, where does that happen? We have to start with, everybody says it, humility. Say it again, humility. See, the key to finding God's heart is to come to Him humbly. We go to Him humbly. We, we go, it's when you come to God, we don't need to go in fix it mode. How many go to God in fix it mode sometimes? I just get it fixed, God. God is here to get it fixed. Here's what you need to do, God. You need to do it this way, this way, this way. And when you do this, just do what I ask you to do, God. And we become what? The drill sergeant. And we make God the private. Does that sound like humility to me? It doesn't, does it? That's not humility. That's, that's pride. That's arrogance that's at work. It's not humility. And notice, Nehemiah didn't really, didn't rely on his wits. Was it trying to maneuver or fix the situation? What did he immediately do? He went to God in prayer, didn't he? He went with brokenness. He went with praise. Hearing God's voice, fearing God from heart. That's true humility. Nehemiah shows us what humility is all about in going to God. So the key here now is what did Nehemiah hear? What did he hear? Well, I think the answer lies in in what Nehemiah prayed. And let's take a look at what Nehemiah prayed here. In in verse, we we just finished the last two weeks of going through verses 4 and 5. Now this week, we're we're starting in verse 6. And he says to, to God, listen to my prayer. How many? Wow, that sounds right. If I'm going to pray, I, I want God to listen. It is sort of like a little kid comes to Dad, listen, listen, listen what I got to say. Listen what I got to say. Any, any of your parents have kids do that to you? Yeah, listen. Now you, you're right there, you're talking, it's, but it's just a way of talking and sharing. And if you remember what, praying is what? Really just conversation with God. So we listen. He says, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess, that's a key word, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. And then he goes on to say, we have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. I think that could be a sermon in itself, and we're not going to go there, but we've sinned terribly. Here's the key here. Why do you think Nehemiah prayed a prayer of confession for his sins at this time? He just got done talking about how wonderful God was and praising Him, talking about the fear of God, and now he starts off by confessing his sins and the sins of his family. Why do you think he does that? Think about that. What do you think? Well, I think there's two things. Number one is he knew that there was a huge, that sin is a huge roadblock that keeps us from really hearing God's voice and hearing and getting results. It's sort of like a parent again, going back to that. The little boy or the little girl comes to their mom or their dad and what do they do? They say, oh, 
I want to go over and play at so-and-so's house and I want to do this or I want to do that. But what if they've been just really causing all sorts of trouble and disobeying and being very disobedient in the home? And they come to you in that disobedient attitude, but then they're asking to go do something that they want to do. That's good. What does mom and dad first deal with? If they're good moms and dads. The disobedience. They deal with the issue because what happens that that disobedience has caused a roadblock for that child to accomplish what he wants. And it also causes a roadblock between the relationship between mom and child. Is that right? That's really what we're talking about here. So I, I think he knew that, hey, if I'm going to get a solution, I need to do this. But I think even more important than that is he knew or that God put this in his heart when he was praying. When he was seeking day and night, I believe God says, wait a minute, Nehemiah. Before we go any further, we've got to talk about some issues. And so God put this on his heart. And what did Nehemiah do right away? He obeyed. And he confessed and asked for forgiveness, didn't he? That's really what's that. See, here's the key, folks. We either have an attitude of humility or we have an attitude of pride. We don't get both. Think about it. I want you to think about that. Do you think, wow, well, over here I live in in humility. Over here I'm going to live in pride. And I'm going to try to keep one foot here and one foot here and see how it works. You're either here or you're here, aren't you? There's no middle of the road. Either you're, you're coming to God with humility or you're coming to God with pride. And God says He wants us to come how? With humility. That's how we start our prayer. James 4, 6 and 7 says this. As the Scriptures say, this isn't the only place in Scriptures, in other words, that it's saying this. Says God opposes the proud, but then does what? But gives grace to the humble. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor, but grace is also the power to do what God is asking you to do. We can't accomplish anything without God's grace. We can't even really pray properly without God's grace. We need God's grace at work in our lives. We need God's favor. To, to just live the life that, that we want to live. The life we were meant to live. We need that grace. But if we're going to get that grace, what do we need? We need, he gives it to who? Say it with me again. The humble. In the gym, say it with me again. The humble. Alright, the humble. It's, it's the humble that's there. And then he goes on to say, So, humble yourselves before God. Yeah, but how do I do that? I know I should humble myself before God, but how do I, how do I, how do I step from this side and get myself over here? And it's more than just trying to act humble. Have you ever tried to act humble, or do you know someone who tries to act humble, but you know they're not? It's not, it's not just acting humble, it's actually being humble. That's really the key here. And I think the key here is to humble ourselves. We must first come to God. We must come with a submissive attitude. It's all about our attitude. Come with a submissive attitude. Come submissive. Submitting yourself to God and, and to what He wants for us. It's not about what we want. It's all about what He wants. And then we come with an attitude of thanksgiving. Thanking God more for what we have than what we don't have. Boy, that can be a huge battle, isn't it? 
dealing with that. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 6, and I like what the, how the message puts it, because Jesus really is addressing how we pray here and how we, how we approach Him. And He says, here's what I, Jesus, want you to do. First, He says, I want you to find a quiet, secluded place. We talked about that in the last couple of weeks. And it says, so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from who? From you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. And that's what we're after is His grace, right? We start sensing that. I think the key here is just be yourself. We need to be ourselves, folks. When we go to God, we're just talking. I don't... When I... Pastor Dean and I went out to, for lunch the other day, and we didn't, I didn't try to role play and try to be something I wasn't. I just try to be myself because we're just talking. The same thing happens when I'm at home with, with, with my wife. We just talk. And that is so important. So we don't want to do that. We want to just don't role play. Don't be something you're not. Just come simply to God. Give it all you got, but be who you are. That's really the key here. This isn't always easy, though, is it? I found... I found it can be hard. I could, I found that a few years ago when Johnny, my wife, was going through some very, very difficult health problems and we were dealing with things and health issues and I don't know about you, but my mind just got into a fog. Have you ever had some struggles happen in your life and it just seems like all of a sudden they're just so overwhelming that you just feel like you're in a fog? Even as you try to pray, you're in that fog Am I the only one that that, that happens to? I, th- I think we all kind of struggle with that at times, don't we? And we get in that fog and we can't wait. Have you ever driven in a fog? Yep. What do you, what do you just can't wait to get out of? The fog. You can't wait for it to burn off, can you? So you could see where you're going to keep yourself out of the ditch. It's just a difficult time. And that's really where I was. And one of the things that I found when I was in, I knew that I couldn't fix the problem. That was part of the reason I was in the fog, is I thought, wow, this isn't something I can fix. We just can't always fix these things that come into our lives. And so what happened to me is worry and fear had a hold of my attitude. And one day when I was praying with God, I, when something happened. I talked to God and He said, you know what you really need? is an attitude adjustment. Oh, not what I wanted to hear. But that's exactly what I needed. I needed to have my attitude adjusted. I needed to to do like we just heard, to humble myself. We need to humble ourselves before God. And we need to get real with God, with what He's saying and where He's at. Talk to God just honestly, just, just conversationally, and just... Really just dump out your heart. This is really what Nehemiah has been doing. The whole time he's just been dumping out his heart to God and just talking to Him. And when it happens with that, then our focus starts going off of me. And this is really what I found happened. As I started praying and the fog started lifting, the focus went off of me and on to God. And I can't tell you what that meant to me. Now, I can tell you this that the situation didn't just change immediately. That's that's the whole thing. Sometimes we think, wow, if I do the right things, then automatically my situation is just going to just 
boom, boom, and it's going to be all right. Now, eventually it did. Things changed and God heard the prayer and answered the prayer in ways that we had no idea how it was going to happen. But the key was, first it changed me. And that's really what we're doing. This is really where Nehemiah is at here. And my thought to each one of you, are you in a fog today? How many would, you don't have to raise your hands on this one, but how many of you are, feel like, I, I, I'm in a fog? Or maybe you have been in a fog. How's your attitude? Where's your attitude at today? Does it need an adjustment is where I'm going with all this. Are you at the place where I was where you needed that attitude adjustment? And need to be able to hear what Jesus says to do. And when you hear what Jesus says to do, what should we do? Do it. Just do it. And what you're going to do is you're going to start sensing God's grace. Well, next, if we're to pray with God's heart, we must also be able to do, I think, one of the key things, and that is do what? Recognize God's voice. And my question to you, is God's voice a familiar voice? I hope it is. But I know that chances are it might not be as familiar as it should be or could be. And But this is so key because God's Spirit, God is Spirit, and He talks to our spirit. Now, I know you're saying, I don't know if I quite understand what my spirit, I don't understand that. Here's what spirit, spirit is really that secret place of your heart. You know what I'm talking about? That secret place of your heart where only you and God go. That's where it is. Some people call it the secret garden of your heart. Where just you and God go. And, and you just, that's the only place He talks to you. That's, the Bible calls that your spirit. And that's where God speaks to us. And we need to be able to go there. We need to listen to that familiar voice that's coming from there. Kind of reminds me of an old TV show called This Is Your Life. I watched that when I was growing up. Now, if you're not older and dirt in here, you don't remember this at all. And I'm not expecting everybody to know what I'm talking about here. But it was a wonderful show. And what they would do is they'd find a celebrity and they'd surprise him and they'd bring him on into the studio and they'd say, we're, gonna, we're just going to go through your life. And then they'd bring in different people that had impacted his life that he knew and whatever. But they'd hide behind this curtain back here. And then what they would do is they'd start talking and telling, well, I remember when we did this. And the guy was supposed to, or the gal was supposed to remember and recognize the voice that was speaking. And sometimes they did. Sometimes it was, oh yeah, and then they'd come running out and they'd give the big hugs and you know, and oh, this is so wonderful to see, I haven't seen you, know, that type of thing. And sometimes they'd sit there and they'd, you know, keep going, keep going, they wouldn't hear. And then pretty soon they just, they, I think backstage they'd just shove him out and say, just go, he's never going to figure it out anyway. And then he'd go and he'd say, oh, I should have known that was you. You know, that type of thing. It was that kind of a story. And, uh, and it was kind of a fun thing. But I guess I go all of that. It was the familiarity of the voice that they had to listen to behind the closed door. And our spirit is sort of like that. It's sort of like behind a closed door. It's not like I'm sitting here across the table from someone talking to someone that I can see and, and there's a, a voice that's speaking out loud. But it's a voice in my, in my heart that's speaking. And my question to you again is this. And I want you to really think about this. Is God's voice familiar to you? Can you identify it? 
want you to just, let's just pause right here. Think about that. Can you identify God's voice? Is it familiar? Jesus says, My sheep listen to or recognize, some, some versions even say recognize, My sheep listen to or recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. Wow, what happens when we're in His presence is simply this. If we are His sheep and we've taken time to learn His voice, what's going to happen? We're going to listen and we're going to recognize when He speaks. And guess what? He will. It's sort of like a mom and and their little daughter or little boy. Guess what? When mom yells, the little boy, I remember it was true in my life, I knew mom's voice. You know what I'm talking about? Or if your mom or dad and you hear your child in a crowded room crying, guess what? You know it's your child. Why? Because those voices are what? Familiar, aren't they? They're familiar to you. You you have a relationship that's happening here. God says this in James 4.8. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. That's His promise. If we go to Him... Start seeking Him with all of our heart. He's going to come close to us. He's going to be there. It's not like, well, I'm going to do this and He's not going to show up. He's never stood anybody up. And He's not going to start with you. He's going to come and He's going to be there. See, knowing God's voice comes with having a love relationship with Him. That is where it all starts. It's through that love relationship. That relationship, that's the same like with the mother and the, and the child. It's that relationship. It's that love relationship. Or with, with the husband and a wife. I hope that Johnny still can remember my voice and it's familiar to her. She probably says, way too familiar. I don't know. But uh, it's that type of thing. But see, if you remember, Nehemiah viewed God as what? Great and awesome, didn't he? See, the way we view God is a huge factor in the way we hear with the ears of our heart. Don't ever try to listen to God with the ears of your, of your, your physical ears. That's not where He speaks. He's going to speak to the ears of your heart. Now here's just a few quick helps to, that you can know if it's God. How many of you, when you prayed, and I know this has happened to me, you're praying and you're saying, Wow! Is this God or is this the devil speaking to me to do this? And I could tell you probably 99 times out of 100 it doesn't have to be the devil. It's just my old selfish self wanting speaking to me. And I need to know. But I, it's times where I say, oh, wow. Yeah, I think God is saying, oh, ah, but surely he's saying that I should go ahead and do this. Or, nah, he wouldn't want me to do that. You, you know what I'm saying? And it's, how do you distinguish which voice is which? Well, here's just a couple things. The first thing you must do is it must line up with God's Word. See, the inner voice of God will never contradict His written Word. Not going to happen. No way, no how. That's just the way it is. The second thing it's going to do is this. It's going to bring peace. And in fact, it's in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says this, Do not worry about anything, but do what? Pray and ask God for how much? Everything. Not just the things that you can't handle, but everything you need. Always giving thanks. That's a key part again. 
And God's, what's this word here? God's peace, which is so great, we cannot understand it, will keep your hearts and your, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. See, let the peace of God rule your heart. Whenever you hear, is there a peace? He's not going to bring confusion. God isn't a God of confusion. The third thing is this. Something you have heard God say before. If you've been praying and you know, you say, wow, I just know that this is God. I know, and it's proved out that it was God. Chances are you're going to hear that kind of voice again. Now, we're all unique. And I'm going to hear something maybe a little different. And, and we're, we're, we're not, it's not going to be exactly the same for everybody. So don't think, well, Charlie over here, he always hears it this way. But Pastor Jeff says that he hears it like this. So, and I'm not hearing like either one of them. So how do I must not be listening. No, you're, you're unique and God's going to do that. Listen to how God has spoke to you before. And the final thing is this. Something the spiritual coach or mentor can validate. You will know it's God's voice. And if you're not sure, just go to your spiritual coach. Go to someone that you really trust as a spiritual guide, a mentor. And, let, and say, hey, I've heard God. I think this is God. This is humility speaking, right? I think this is God speaking, but I'm not sure. I don't want to step over this line if I'm not supposed to. On the other hand, I don't want to stay over here if that's really God and wanted me to step over the line. Do you hear what I'm saying? And they will help you. Chances are they'll take you through something like this and try to help you figure it out for yourself so that you can start allowing God's voice to become familiar to you. See, we can't pray what we haven't heard. But if we have heard His voice, we must do this. We must dare to believe it. Believe that it is so. In 1940, Germany was being bombed by London. That it was called the Blitz. I don't know why they called it the Blitz. I think there's, if you're a, a World War II buff, you could probably figure it out. But they were just blitzing the town of bombs. And a father and a little boy were in a, in a building and it got bombed. And the father came running out with his little boy in his hand. And he saw a big hole out in front that a bombshell had left. And, and he dove into that bombshell and he reached up like this and he was looking up and he said to his son jump and the son was standing up there just terrified and he looked down and he said he says but I can't see you and guess what the father looked up and through the red haze of the bombs and everything and he could see the silhouette of his son and he said but I can see you jump guess what the little boy did he jumped We've heard that illustration before, but here's the key to this one. Is that little boy couldn't see his father, but he could hear his voice and he recognized his voice and he jumped because he heard his father speak. That is the key. And he believed what he said. Acting on God's voice enables us to face life with hope and it also helps us to take leaps of faith into his arms. How many of you have had to take a leap of faith into God's arm? We all have at one point or another. We need to do it. And it comes from hearing His voice. Let's check out what Nehemiah has been praying again here. We'll go to the, his final parts of his prayer here. He starts off, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. Uh-oh, what does that sound like? Sounds like he's been reading the Bible. The Bible that he had of that day. 
And he read about what God had talked to Moses about. And he says, he said, God said this to Moses, if you are unfaithful to me, really what he's doing is quoting scripture here, if you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even you who are exiled to the ends of the earth will do what? Will bring you back to the place I have chosen my name to be honored. It sounds like he's showing some results here. And then he goes on and finishes it with saying, And the people you rescue by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Wow. God reminded Nehemiah of his promises in Scripture. I have no doubt. Now, Sure, it's Nehemiah thought he thought of these things on his own. I've learned a long time in my life that those things just don't pop into my mind. God puts those things into my mind. And I believe this is what he heard God, God saying to him. is here's, here's the truth that happened to Moses. I can do the same thing for you. So he's praying this back to him. And as he's praying this back and as he's hearing this, guess what's activating? His faith is being activated, isn't it? His faith is being activated. Hope is starting to come alive in his life. He's getting that extra dose of hope that he wanted when he came to started praying. And I don't know about you, but when I'm I'm more prone to trust God while I'm praying. It's not very easy to pray and worry at the same time, is it? it just doesn't work as well that way. And when I'm praying, it just seems like faith just comes just set on fire in my heart. And I trust God with things that I didn't think I could trust him with before. So as I pray back, and especially as I pray back Scripture to Him, it just just lets it just come alive in my life. And it changes me. Finally, Nehemiah prayed the following verse here. Verse 11. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer once again. Please hear what I'm saying. He just He's talking. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me... what What's this key word here? Success. Today, by making the king favorable to me, put into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the what? The king's cupbearer. Two things stick out in this verse to me. Number one, Nehemiah obviously heard from God to take advantage of the position he had as the king's cupbearer. Now you might say, well... A king's cupbearer, what's that? That's not very important. That's not a very impressive position. And it maybe really wasn't, because it's just an ordinary thing. But it was a very important thing, and there was a very deep relationship that had. How many know what a cupbearer's job was? Some of you do. There's, there's a young man that knows. few of you know. Most of you probably don't know. I can tell you, it's not a job that, that I would go after. Some of you may think it's all right. But the cupbearer would do one thing. When the, before the, when the king was served food and when the king was served wine, he'd take some, he'd eat a little bit of the food and he'd drink a little bit of the wine. Why would he do that? To make sure, yeah, to check for poison. Exactly. And if there was poison in it, guess what? No more cupbearer. Long live the king. You know, that's sort of what would happen. So, so that was his position there. And, and the second thing that, I, that sticks out to me is when God's purposes are at work, don't be afraid to ask for the success that we talked about here, that you saw. He wasn't afraid to ask for success, and especially in his situation, because he was not asking for success just for himself, although that was part of it. 
But it was success for His people, for the situation. He was interceding for others. And it may be a time where we intercede, even like for our, our church plant in North Platte, or, or something else that's going on in our lives, or for the mission trip that's going to Wichita. We intercede for people like this, and we're interceding for them and praying for success. I don't know about you. I also pray for success for myself sometimes. I don't go to God and say, Oh God, I'm going to pray and ask you to do this. Probably won't happen. I really don't want it to happen. But, you know, no, you're saying, God, I I need answers. I need some, I need some solutions. I can't fix this. Fix it. We go to Him that way. The last thing that I, that comes to my mind is Nehemiah was an ordinary guy. I was, he finished this, and I think it's interesting that he finishes this chapter or this part of his prayer with, I'm, a, I'm just a cupbearer. I'm the king's cupbearer. And I think what he's saying, I'm just an ordinary guy. This, this is just what I do. Never forget that God wants to use ordinary people just like Nehemiah, just like you, just like me, to do his extraordinary work. Do you agree with that? If you do say amen, it's, I've been watching a video and one of the things he says, this is a good place to say amen. So this is a good place to say amen. God wants to do the extraordinary. Let me conclude with these thoughts. How many of you would find yourself maybe a little discouraged, a little over, overwhelmed at times? I'm guessing all of us do. Why? Because some of the struggles in life just are that way, aren't they? They just hit us and they just wipe us out. We just feel so weighed down. So what are the options of finding success at times like this? What do we do? What, how do we find the solution that we're looking for? Option number one should be just like Nehemiah's. We need to hide away. Hide away from everything else. All the distractions of life and seek God with all of our hearts. Even if it takes days or even weeks like it did with Nehemiah. Even if it takes fasting and some sacrifice. God's heart needs to be your heart. needs to be my heart. God's Word says this, You have not because you ask not. But it goes on to say, Because you do not ask, God is really the key. I like that. Did you hear how I said God? Kind of a TV preacher time there. But uh, you have not because you do not ask, God and, and another verse is everyone who seeks does what? They find, don't they? The key, is fi- the key is finding God's heart. That's really what we've been talking about for three weeks. How do I find God's heart? How do I hear His voice? And then praying back what God puts into your heart. Let's pray with God's heart. Let's bow our heads. Prayer. Father, we want to do what we've learned today. We want to come to you with humble hearts. We want to come to you with hearts of thanksgiving, of praise, of adoration to who you are. For there are many of us here, Lord, that are struggling with with things that are just beyond what we can fix or do on our own. We need you so desperately. And I ask that you just speak right now to your your people. I ask God that you just uh, help them to hear your voice. Maybe they've heard your voice as as they were reading the scriptures that were on the screens and you spoke to them. God, I just pray that you just help them just to quiet themselves for a few moments just to hear your voice and what you're saying to them. 
And may they know that when they come to you and seek you with all their heart, that you will be found. If they draw near to you, you will draw near to them. And that you have the hope that they need. You also have the solutions, the directions that they need. Be with your people, Lord, today. And I just ask as as we move into the next part of our service and we start praising you and worshiping you and singing songs of praise to you, Lord, that during that time, God, if, if you're speaking to their hearts, that they will find a place around the altars here for the hungry, for those who are hurting, that they could find a place where they can, they can reach out and just hide away in their own little hideaway and seek you with all of their heart so that they can hear your voice. Lord, don't let them leave here today just wanting to put a Band-Aid on it, but let them go to you, the specialist. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.